Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Uh, welcome everybody. Uh, today's conversation is something that we've been planning for a long time uh, with uh, one of our favorite old guests, Andre Baca. I'll introduce him in a minute, but he and I have just have been having a conversation about cannabis, cannabis legalization, cannabis use, cannabis decriminalization. Uh, and I think for the most part, like a lot of people and now like most Americans were like, yeah, this is great. These are great steps that have been a long time coming. There are lots of people who have been in jail for, you know, cannabis related crimes for weed crimes. Um, and this is like a potential industry and they're, you know, municipal, uh, municipal <laughs> medicinal aspects uh, to cannabis. Um, it's just like a, a, a very, ever since I was listening to Cypress Hill in the nineties, it made sense for cannabis legalization. We thought the day would never come. The day has come uh, and there's a lot to celebrate there, but you know, there are also other things that maybe we're not talking about. How much do we know about the science of cannabis? How does it affect the developing adolescent mind? How does it affect people who are dealing with mental health or mental illness? Or like, how does it affect you if you're like a depressed person and like, you can't get your life together and then you like smoke weed every day, <laughs> you know, like, how do you get help for something that we have kind of talked about as like a medicine and something that is only good for you, you know, so we want to like revisit this conversation now that basically 100% of America thinks that cannabis should just be legal. And that's, and I just pulled that number out of the sky, but I think <laughs> you probably, you can probably verify it. So let me uh, start off by introducing our guests. Uh, I mentioned that Andre Baca is here. He's an old friend of the show and an old friend of ours, We've known each other over 20 years. This was actually his idea. So welcome to Andre and thanks to him for being here, uh, here with us also. And this is very exciting. Anytime Jordan comes on, um, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's why I'm excited about it. So uh, Jordan is here with us for the conversation. And one of my favorite things is welcoming a new person to the Margin Call family, someone who's never been on the show before. Haley. Haley is here. Big thanks to her for being here. This is our panel. This is our cannabis panel. So welcome all of you. And thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Andre had a good idea where I think this is a good place to start because, you know, uh, everyone's relationship with uh, weed and cannabis is different. And Andre thought we could start off with uh, a conversation about like when we started smoking and like what that what the role of cannabis or weed was in our lives at the time, how we made that decision. Did we become like high school burnout dropouts right away? Did we become hyper intellectual people who suddenly were, you know, uh, reading the encyclopedia every day and realized that the government was full of shit. It can go lots of different directions. Uh, so uh, I'll start with you, Dre, since, uh, since you brought this to us, but I am curious, tell me, tell me your uh, cannabis origin story, if you will. Well, you uh, segued into it pretty, pretty awesomely because you did mention uh, a Cypress Hill, and that's <laughs> it. All goes back to Cypress Hill. It kind of does, and especially for me personally, that that was really my uh, starting point, which was going to their concert. And this is before I had smoked weed, so that was my first. I got introduced to not just cannabis, but the whole culture at the same time. And I did not know it at 13. I believe I was 13. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know the culture existed. I didn't know there was people that were just super into this in every facet of their life. So that was mine. And then at 14 is when I actually tried it because they're going, of course, probably actually that show is technically my first because of so much smoke in the air. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, I didn't, I didn't walk away going, oh, what, what the hell just hit my head? Like I, I felt no effects and I was just taken in the whole culture, but 14 years is my actual start. 
That's a pretty righteous origin story, I'd have to say, man. I, I mentioned can I, I mentioned Cypress Hill offhandedly, but if you're a person of a certain age, they had to have play like a very important role in your weed development. <laughs> we, we were all very excited that there was finally a song called Hits from the Bong. We're like, wow, we've been with this is revolutionary. <laughs> uh, uh, what about you, Haley? What's your what's your cannabis origin story? So my cannabis origin, it's a, it's a pretty interesting one. Um, and it sounds a lot more salacious than it is. So really just like prepare yourself. Um, so I started when I was 15, my first time was, um, smoking in a shower with three guys from high school out of an apple bong. Um, so we started out like, you know, very organic, very vegan, very Mm -hmm. back to basics. And that was like such a fun introduction. Um, and they like have this theory that if you smoked in the shower and then ran the shower afterwards, that it wouldn't smell like weed in their house. And so their parents' house just smelled like weed. Um, Mm. but it was like, when I grew up, my family was like, don't drink smoke pot. Ah. And I was like, okay, that's fine. They're like, <laughs> you are going to become an alcoholic. It's just genetics. And I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't drink like until I was way older and I smoked a lot of pot. I mean, you know, as, as in terms of like a fork in the road, like that's maybe probably a good call to make, you know, if you had to choose one, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I made so many better decisions yeah. because I was smoking pot instead of drinking at that age. Like yeah. it inhibited me from going out and doing stupid shit. It made me want to stay in with my friends and watch TV. That's like, true. It's a lot safer. Yeah. I think I have a lot of theories, you know, we look at like declining crime rates over the last like 20 or 30 years. And I think people always overlook the, uh, the role of smoking weed and playing video games in like the (laughs) declining crime rate. Do you know what I mean? Because (laughs) especially I think for like teenage boys, which a lot of times they're the people who end up kind of trapped in the criminal justice system at a very young age, like you get to act out a lot of those kind of destructive teenage impulses, just like at home on, on your television while smoking weed. Jordan, this is a story I don't think I've ever heard before, even though I have known you my whole life. I've known you your whole life. <laughs> yeah, uh, please. Uh, for those who don't know, Haley and Aaron, due to the show, Jordan is my cousin. So oh, uh, we've, we've known so each other cute. for a very long time, but I still don't know his, his weed origin story. So, so please share. I, I can't exactly remember. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> it is definitely around high school. And I, I am so inclined to believe that it's when I moved back from England, uh, maybe even just before high school, uh, because I went down to Miami to live with our other cousins for like a month. Uh, one of them being our cousin, Kevin, who at the time was listening to a lot of diplomats and Joel Santana and Cameron. Ah, yes. Hey, <laughs> and, hey, mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I believe, I believe we used to sneak out and like, you know, gut black and milds and then like refill them with like, you know, what, what, uh, the clever drug dealers called baby drill, but which is merely just your regular old Reggie that just smells better than, you know, some other Reggie, but you know, typical, typical stuff, you know, uh, soda cans hollowed out black and milds, uh, around like 14, 15 years old, you know. Did you put, here's an important question about the black and mild blunt. Did you put the plastic tip back on after you had rolled it up? <laughs> so here's what you do. You, uh, it's, you just like, you just like take the it out of the wrapper and you just start rolling it and let it, the tobacco fall out and you just refill it. You don't even take, the, oh, you don't even have to cut it. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. how I feel about blunt wraps. Now, once they've started coming out with blunt wraps, I got really grouchy. I was like, you kids don't know what it was like. We had to carry around a razor blade in our pocket. 
pocket every day so that we could cut a blunt once the once the time finally came. I, I know every region has its own blunt of choice, but in, in San Francisco, it was Garcia Vegas for some reason. Oh, nice, we're, nice. We're very popular, and yeah, you, you had that. And it's messy. It's very difficult to like cut, oh, split, open, mm-hmm. empty. And yeah. now all they got to do is go buy a cherry cola flavored blunt wrap. <laughs> <laughs> they don't this know how disgusting. easy they have it. They don't know how easy they have it. Um, yeah, my my origin story is not that different from most people's. I think uh, my first exposure was eighth grade, and I had a friend who had an older brother. So, and I, I was basically open to any kind of like subversive activity. So I wasn't like particularly like, oh yeah, like I want to smoke weed. I was just like, what do you got? Like you know, my friend. Years before that, Brian Cresci was like, you, you know, sixth grade. Oh, you never smoked a cigarette before? So it's like in one day, he's like, all right, you're going to smoke a cigarette. You're going to drink alcohol. You're going to smoke from a pipe for some Like his dad had a, like an old fashioned pipe with pipe tobacco in it. You're going to smoke a cigar. Uh, so by the time that presented itself with, with my friend Devin in eighth grade, I was like, I'm open to it. But like a lot of people, the first couple of times I actually smoked, I didn't get high. And I thought weed is a hoax. Everybody... <laughs> All these movies, everybody talking about like, oh, I'm tripping, you know, like that was like, they're just faking it, man. Everybody's a bunch of phonies. And I kept smoking and kept smoking, trying to get high. And I didn't finally get high until I smoked with my friend Hector and Angelica right after school. And that was like real. It wasn't mid. It wasn't it was it wasn't even working man's weed. It was like there were actual like twigs. It was in a paper bag. Hector had a paper bag with twigs. (laughs) wigs, seeds. Listen, guys, <laughs> the quality of cannabis has improved so much. Like a lot of people don't understand what we were dealing with in the mid nineties, man. Like even in San Francisco, a place that has a huge cannabis culture, like you're going to get some garbage. So I smoked some garbage with uh, Hector and Angelica and then walked home from school alone. It was the first time I was high and I kept saying, am I high? And then I said, if you're, if you're asking yourself, if you're high, like you're definitely high. And, and then I went to Jeff's jeans, which was like a Levi's jeans store by my house. And I was in there looking at jeans for like three hours and i kept thinking oh, how long have i been looking at these jeans <laughs> um, and then you know a lot of other things have happened in my, in my relationship with weed but the one thing that was interesting is that i started smoking weed again this is a generational thing but this was kind of like while the crack epidemic was still going on so there was like a lot of stigma around drugs in general and like i went to like an a public urban middle school where there was like just a lot of like genuine fear about like drugs ruining your life. And there wasn't a lot of distinction between what kind of drugs. So, you know, it was like a school in San Francisco. So I had a lot of diverse like friend skill sets. And like one of my friends was like, why do you keep hanging out with this kid? Vince, Vince was another one of my stoner friends. He's like, Oh, we smoke weed together. And he pulled me aside. He's like, yo man, you're going to throw your life away. You're going to start worshiping the devil. You know, like, <laughs> Like, I really care about you. I think it was Ian. This is my friend, Ian Freeman. He was like eighth grade. uh, But I think we, enough people came from communities where like there had been real damage done by bad drugs that we were just like really, a lot of people were really nervous about like what path it was going to set you down. And then of course, like within a matter of years, everybody in the world, including Ian Freeman was smoking weed. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just being a square about that. (laughs) Um, But that was many, many years ago. And there are lots of stops uh, along that road. Uh, Dre, I did want to come back to you because as we are talking about our inceptions, our birth stories into the, our, our initiations into the cannabis family, one of the things that you've mentioned that I think there is some credence, right? And again, I don't want this to be a conversation where it's like, oh, you know, weed's going to ruin your life. Like cannabis is evil, but I am interested in like 
a conversation about like what cannabis does to the mind and if there are things that are potentially harmful. And one thing that you've mentioned is like the adolescent brain, right? And the idea that like, if you start smoking weed at a certain age, it can have like potentially negative effects that we don't know that much about, right? And this is something that you raised. So I kind of wanted to kick it to you as a question. I know you're also not like a cannabis hater. None of us here are cannabis haters. We're just kind of like thinking people who are trying to see this all the way through. What, what are your thoughts on that or like concerns about like whatever could be potentially harmful for, you know, the adolescent brain? Uh, well, I mean, it's the good thing is it's it's pretty um, consistent all around the 21 years of age, 20, around 20, 21. Um, all humans, uh, their their development really is capped right there. That's when that's kind of like when your brain's life begins, because you've totally developed um your all your cells are should be done by then and you're you're kind of setting off on your on the the waters of um yeah you know being developed entirely yeah. and so you know the fact that we've all started and we we and the funny thing is too where this is not definitely not anti-cannabis because we we i think we all still smoke cannabis so <laughs> it's definitely a big part of our lives but i think the the connection is that we um, started early and we, we've been guinea pigs so we can use that info for all the brand new people that are just starting with, and, and plus like Jordan's in Tampa Bay right now, you're in New York. New York is one of the most liberal cities in the country and you guys are probably going to be legalized last, which yeah. is the, the, so the, all the rules are different state to state. So you can have people come in on online and go into their first experience into a place that Haley used to work at, uh, for instance. And, um, and there's like, you know, all the science of uh, what, you know, I mean, let me back up for a second. The thing that really got this kind of implanted in my head to, to have this conversation was I was watching a YouTube video. I think it was done by vice where they, they would have record three grandmothers smoking uh, before they smoked weed and then they would they would light up a blunt right there on camera and smoke and you would watch the reaction of how they changed from the start of the video before the blunt and after the blunt and it was the first time that i saw a visual representation i was like oh damn do we all become assholes like these grandmothers <laughs> wait <laughs> yeah. did, they be, did they actually become assholes like what are we i, I haven't seen the video so what yeah. how these... <laughs> I, that's what i picked up but like they were they were they're 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 kind of, and you know, everybody on the internet loves grandmothers. And that's like True. one of the things, kittens and grandmothers rule the internet. And so you can't really, you don't expect them to be kind mm -hmm. of uh, off-putting at all. But after they smoke that blunt, they definitely are not, has quite the same kind of entertaining that they were, that wholesome <laughs> goodness from the beginning. They're just kind of like nitpicking and overanalyzing shit. And you're like, what did they smoke today? So it was like, Okay, maybe there's, you know, we need to talk about more about the different strains affecting um, different people like myself. I know that I, I, I learned that I was uh, feeling a lot, you know, the weed stronger with a lot less of it. So my friends could keep smoking the blunt and I would keep hitting it too. And I was like, maybe I should have stopped like three, <laughs> three, 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 you know, three passes ago. And they're, they can, they can handle it because they got that tolerance and I don't. And it's yeah. like, well we should be talking about the tolerance just the same as alcohol. You shouldn't approach it the same. I, I think that's a very interesting point 
because I think like everything else, it's something that affects everybody differently or a lot of people differently. You know, like Haley, you mentioned like alcohol and like the genetics of alcoholism and stuff like that's a very real thing. I have the same thing in my family as Jordan can attest. There's like an alcoholism gene out there. And like there's some of us who just like can't drink, period. You know what I mean? Like, or else you will just like drink until you black out. And then within a couple of years, you will have alienated everybody in your life and lost your job. And like, that's a real thing. And we're very accustomed to like having those conversations. I think part of it comes from like Alcoholics Anonymous where, you know, they'll teach like, Hey, like some people can, and some people can't. And actually most people can. And there are lots of normal people who like have two drinks and they're like, Whoa, I'm good, man. I got to call it there. And then not drink for a year. And I, you know, and, and I'm not, this is not like based on anything necessarily scientific, but just the, the, thought that like, it can be different for everybody. Um, and I wonder, I mean, I know Haley, you have experience working in the industry, but has there ever been a conversation or just in your experience that is parallel to that where like different things affect people differently? Do you have conversations about like specific strains and um, (laughs) if, if you are prone to anxiety, maybe you shouldn't smoke this or have you had that kind of experience? Yeah, absolutely. And also cut me off if I start to monologue because it's the habit of being cut off a lot as a child that I just will launch into like, you guys like 45 minutes. Um, We love monologues. Go. (laughs) So I think about this a lot. And I honestly, I think having worked in cannabis education is one of the things I'm most passionate about. And also I don't like the idea that cannabis is for everyone and cannabis can benefit everyone because that's not true. And that's the problem with the lack of education that we have put towards cannabis and put towards informing younger people about it. And like, also just the general, they want a good rap for it. They're like, it'll do something for everyone. That's not true. They're just trying to get a good look for it. And that's fine. But I like, I have a lot of friends. So I have friends who don't smoke. I have friends who smoke like me. I have friends who can smoke, but a lot less than I can. And I have friends who like want to get into trying it. And so with the friends who want to try it, I will absolutely talk them through it from start to finish and like ask them everything they feel because the way that I think of weed is that weed essentially gets me more in tune in my emotions. That's how I feel about it for myself. Like when I think about what weed is doing for me currently, weed is taking the place of me being on anti-anxiety medicine on a daily basis. And then not that I'm not like, I'm on antidepressants and I do not care saying that. Like I got, I got the alcoholism, the addiction, like I got fucked up shit, but I'm taking care of it. However, I also have anxiety outside of that. And so if I wasn't smoking weed every day and taking that time to slow down life, slow down the things I'm thinking and the pace at which my brain moves, I would need to be on something equivalent to a Xanax or an Ativan. And those make me feel less like myself than I do when I'm just getting high to control my anxiety. And that's not a long-term solution. That is, I'm very (laughs) clear about that. Like this is not something I plan to do forever. It's definitely a coping mechanism, pandemic, but I think it's important. I just think the baseline is that there's no education around it. The way kids kind of get educated a little at the very least by their friends or by their family when they're growing into adolescence. But either people talk about it like my family or people don't talk about it at all. And they're never just like, Ooh, this is something that will do something great for your life or something terrible for your life. Like, I don't know. And also when you said um, earlier about like the propaganda against it, when you were growing up, I think a lot about the propaganda in the nineties. Do you remember the commercials where the people were deflated on the couch and they were just like laying there? And, and so that's what I kind of grew up thinking pot was, but 
as I got older, that I do realized. that do be happening though. Sometimes you do get high and you feel <laughs> okay, like you're, on how much you smoke. you're stuck in the couch. <laughs> that depends on the strain. That's true. And that's like something you need to know too. Like you don't want to go out to the club and be smoking an indica. You want to go smoke like a sativa or a hybrid or something. But I just think it's, it's crazy. And I, last part of my monologue is that I actually, my conception into cannabis was a lot earlier because my mom didn't know she was pregnant with me for four months and she smoked as much weed as I do when she was my age. Like she had me at 23 and she was smoking every day. And beyond that, I grew up around the house with bags of weed and rolling papers until I was old enough to understand what it was. Like I remember playing with them as kids because I thought it was like tissue paper. (laughs) So it was very normalized to me in that way, even with all the propaganda against it growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think even there's a lot of propaganda and a a lot of what we do and do not know, I think is a byproduct just of criminalization, right? We've had a long, long, long time in human history to figure out like what's good and bad about alcohol. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, on the full spectrum, people be like, Hey, drink a glass of red wine a week for antioxidants. Or like, you know, if you have heart problems, you shouldn't consume this much alcohol or like at, at which exact exact like blood blood percentage should you not operate a car? There's just a lot of things we know about alcohol, like mm-hmm. the good things and the bad things, because it's been around forever and it was only criminalized for a short period of time in this country and it was a huge mess and mistake, right? <laughs> on the on the other end, you know, cannabis has been was illegal in this country for a very, very long time, which meant that there wasn't a lot of effort or energy or experience for us to figure out like here's what it does to your body, here's what it does to your brain, you know, here's the difference in strains. Mm-hmm. Like I had never heard of you know, indica and sativa or anything. I smoked weed for like 20 years without ever knowing any distinction between strains or like why sometimes I'm like, yo, that guy's shit is fucked up. I can't even (laughs) say when I smoke or like, like, oh, this makes me feel really excited and social. Like I had no idea that there was that kind of distinction. So that's kind of what this conversation is informed by is that I feel like there is so little information out there, which really is a byproduct of criminalization. And the only things we learned about weed growing up were like really, really negative ad campaigns that your life was just going to fall apart. And then we learned right away that that was bullshit. So we kind of went the other way, which is like, how could anything be wrong? Everything about it is great. Everybody should be smoking weed all day, every day. Um, as Nate dog said, and maybe that's right, but I just want to, <laughs> I just want to like check it out and massage it. Uh, Jordan, I'm, I'm interested in uh, hearing your thoughts on like strains and balance and like how you kind of like regulate intake or how you will or won't use. And this is partly informed by a conversation I heard you have about at a certain point in time, you were like rolling certain kinds of joints. I think they were that had like, you would have some mid in there. You'd like would mix it up in a way, right? You weren't just like getting one certain strain because you felt like uh, there was like an important calibration that you needed to do. So I'm like very (laughs) curious about what that calibration was and like how much it has to do with how your mind and body responds to it and how much of it is just like trying to control your experience. Like, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't call myself like a connoisseur, a cannabis connoisseur, so to speak, but I would, I would call you that. (laughs) (laughs) I've done, I've done a lot of research and studying on it. And and the thing is, is one of the unfortunate, you know, byproducts of it being federally illegal is that you can't get any funding to study it. And on a state level, the universities aren't even technically allowed to study it. You know, now you have States where it is at least legal on that level. So like, you know, university of Colorado stuff is coming out all the time, stuff about the adolescent brain causing skin 
schizophrenia later on down the line, stuff like that. You know, the, the, the problem is there's inhibitors of finding that stuff out. And more importantly, on like a recreational level and like why I mix mids with some, you know, some loud as the kids call it. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to this uh, 420 festival. I, it, up until this year, my tradition has been to go out uh, to Colorado on 420 and visit my best bud and have the best buds. Um, but I couldn't do that this year. But one year I went and they had this guy on stage that was talking about the fact that within cannabis, there's not just THC. And now, you know, like CBD, but there's like thousands of these cannabinoid, you know, uh, chemicals like CBN, CBG, CBA, TH, NCA, like all, like thousands and thousands. And the speculation is, is that if you're able to, you know, break them down each into their individual, you know, components and, and study their what they can do they'll have different effects like one will be for boosting you know appetite for cancer patients or if you have anxiety you can hyper focus the the cannabinoid that specifically focuses on your anxiety i mean you know one of the one of the parts of you know marijuana breaking into the mainstream culture where like everyone's mom is doing it is like there's cbd on every corner now you know like you can go and get a cream for my for my arthritis elbow to to rub in and granny's not going to get high and, and start acting like an asshole on the internet you know? <laughs> legitimate fear is a legitimate yeah. fear but so the thing is is that she, uh, Haley talked about indica sativa and hybrid and stuff like that as we're starting to find out even is that there's not even a dichotomy with indica and sativa there's some sativas that'll hit you like an indica is supposed to and there's some indicas that hit you like a, a sativa is supposed to and it all comes down to these different uh, cannabinoids that are in the plant and so the problem being that until we legalize it so that people can feel comfortable studying it and it's legitimized in studying, you know, what kind of scientist wants to, you know, risk their whole career on studying a plant that's illegal and everyone looks down upon. I'm sure there's plenty of doctors that came up in the nineties. Isn't there that guy that's been on vice in Canada. Who's like Dr. Cannabis. He goes to jail all the time, but people look at him as like some kind of fraud, but you know, he's been, probably been studying the plant and knows, knows a bit, but we need to legitimize it. And like beyond that, the stigma of it too, which slowly publicly is like, being, you know, whittled away. But um, yeah, I mean, I speculate that you will be in a place in 10 years when it is legalized where you can go into a dispensary and be like, you know, I got a little bit of ankle pain, but I mainly want to blast off to the moon. What can you do for me? And they'll be like, oh, look, we're going to mix up a little shaker. And then here we go. And here's your little joint. And you smoke that and you're going to get exactly what you want. I like that. I, whenever they I identify that strain, I think that's that's you know, like ready to jump all in back in the game. Like, <laughs> it solves your your minor ankle pain, but also blasts you off to the moon. Yes, yes, that's Does, what we're all looking for. Has that informed your like personal chemistry decisions, where you do put some mid in there? Is that what that is about for you when you do that? Well, yeah. So, so the mid, what makes the mid, the mid is that it's higher CBD than an HCHC. THC is the component that makes you, you know, get all high and, and act all weird or whatever, you know, CBD is the relaxing, it's the pain management aspect. So, you know, the idea being like, you know, I want to get a little bit of medicinal boost as well as having a good time. Uh, you know, it, it's like you just said, like, you know, a, a glass of red wine a week with the antioxidants is good for you, you know, <laughs> a little bit, of, a, a little bit of Guinness here and there to, bo to boost your irons. Not too bad. You know, yeah. Uh, I might as well get a little CBD in to 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 make it feel a little bit better. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, why not? Yeah, a little bit of everything. 
I am. Uh, I don't know if other people have had this experience, but um, when I was in my 20s, I did not smoke for a while, like uh, a long period of time. And then when I started to smoke again, it completely turned on me. I like every time I smoked, it was a really, really negative, like intensely negative experience. And, uh, I got like really paranoid and I just, I felt bad, you know, like I felt really, really intensely uncomfortable, very like socially awkward and socially paranoid. Uh, and I had a friend at the time who had a similar experience and I was like, Oh man, like what, what did you do? He's like, bro, listen, you just got to smoke through it, man. Just keep smoking, keep smoking, keep smoking, keep smoking. And like, eventually it's going to be cool again. And like, <laughs> and, bad advice. yeah. Right. So, I mean, he, he was not a doctor just so you guys know, he was yeah. just, he was just my boy. Uh, and, and I kind of thought like, Oh, do I really need to like go through this? Like, do I need to fight in order to have like another substance in my life? Like maybe this is a gift. Maybe God was like, Hey, maybe you don't need to like, necessarily be a weed smoker anymore. Um, but, and, and again, that's another example of like something scientifically that we might could have more information about now, if we've been studying it for, you know, like the past 80 years or whatever, we would know that certain people with certain chemistries have this response or they can get through it that way. But it, in some ways, and we are, we've talked a little bit about like mental health in this conversation, like about anxiety and you know, I think that's got to be part of it. And, and, you know, as you guys know, I, I work in criminal defense. So I work in the public defender's office and I have a lot of clients with mental illness and time after time, there are, are people, you know, the first client I had was someone who had like who had schizophrenia and I interviewed his family. And I was like, Oh, when did his like mental illness start? And his mom was like, well, I was really when he first started smoking weed when he was a teenager. And my response was like, okay, mom, you know, like blame it, blame it on the ganja. You know, like it just sounded like a very alarmist thing, but I've had more and more clients who have had that experience. And, you know, the danger of these conversations is like, you know, I don't want to like sound like I'm saying smoking weed causes schizophrenia. Like that's definitely not what's going on, but there is a relationship there. And I think there's a lot of scientific information there. I, I did. I'm interested in hearing from all of you on it, but, but Andre, I know you've done some research into this and some thought into this. Like what is your understanding of the relationship between like the onset of schizophrenia or other mental illness or like just certain brain chemistries that interact with, with cannabis differently? Yeah, um, specifically about the schizophrenia, I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about that because I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I haven't been able to study it myself, but I, I have heard that it is becoming to seem the, the link is more common. But like the the whole fact of the strains, like Haley mentioned before, about just the simple part of the the whole indica sativa. It's almost like people have become part of two sports teams. And you'll hear them, you'll hear them rooting for sativas all the time. It's like, like the dominant Yankees of the, the weed world. And, and it's like, well, this isn't a team. Like, I don't understand why people have fed into this idea of that. Like you should choose based because an idea is based on that indicas will make you go to sleep and sativas will make you the life of the party. And it's like, well, who, I mean, that's just totally factually incorrect. Cause I know from my own personal self that I, tend to if i drink uh smoke more indicas i end up more level-headed and and not sleepy i actually don't get sleepy at all and um the sativas they can induce we do know so let's take one strain headband headband specifically is cut with idea of splicing together a bunch of different clones to make with super strain of sativas which is based off of sour diesel sour diesels kind of makes you kind of 
and it makes you antsy, paranoid. It can make you, um, for certain people, uh, you know, just overanalyzing every little detail and jittery and talk. It feels like people drink a bunch of coffee, basically, for a lot of people, and that's including myself for that one. So I like I'll I'll stay away from that one. Um, but I also think the other thing that now that's the newer part is the edibles. The edibles part that people kind of forget about, which interacts with you differently, um, is when you're eating weed, it has to pass through your liver. And so that's a totally different concept of smoke. Smoke is fast. It's, it hits you right away. It's into your bloodstream right away. When you're doing edibles, you have to pass through your liver. That takes time. And that's why a lot of people won't get hit for 40 minutes to an hour later. And the problem with that is a lot of people forget they have eaten and went on to do some other task and are cooking food or which I have heard a guy went to court because he was driving a car and the, the edible hit and it's way too strong. <laughs> and, and my friend was telling me as a, he was, he was on the jury to, for this guy was in a car accident and this guy um, started to wig. He was, he was going to walk away. There was just exchanging auto information. Everything seemed right, but then they passed their information and the guy just started to wig out like he was going through a schizophrenic episode. And the guy that had already got the information was like, what is going on? And so they had to determine like, well, was this guy driving high? And they, they ruled that that guy, yeah, you're, you're DUI. Technically, you just got a DUI because we ruled that you are, and there's no test for testing right. like, the blood alcohol. So it's like, there's all these things that are going on that just, if you're a novice, you sh- you know. <laughs> yeah, there are things you need to know, right? Like, I think <laughs> we have an example, even just like being a teenager many, many years ago, where you like eat a weed brownie, you've never had one before. And you're like, this shit don't work. And then you eat another one. And then you are in the room of doom for the next like several, several hours, right? People like double dose because they don't know that it takes a long time to start. Uh, someone who eats an edible and then like, and, and then is like forgets about it and drives a car, like there's no accounting for like, kind of human idiocy like like human beings are going to be really stupid no matter what like we probably shouldn't even have cars you know if we're really trying to get rid of everything that like doesn't account for human idiocy but it is a very important distinction uh and i know many many people myself included who've made the mistake of just like this shit don't work i'm gonna take another one and then really very strongly regret that decision <laughs> um yeah. I'm, I'm curious Haley. you talked a little bit about like you know, the medicinal properties and how it can help with some like mental health concerns on a personal level. Mm. But since you're someone who's worked in the industry, is that like a conversation in in some kind of like corporate level, like cannabis places? Are people trying to isolate those strains or appeal to people like specifically for strains that can help with anxiety and that kind of stuff? Is that part of the conversation for like whatever product development? They are, um, I would say only because it's marketable. And yeah. not because they sincerely are working on helping people. Um, I think, like we've said, only until we have government funding will there actually be people who are looking for those purposes and those causes. Um, but like, okay, sorry, I have so many thoughts right now. First of all, Canada is like has crushed the legalization game. They have PSAs, they have ads about it, they have ads not to drive while high. They're developing a weed breathalyzer, and so is the U.S. Like with them, and as well, like I just they just, they are doing it better. Like if we had it federally legalized, I feel like we could do something like that, but they're with their citizens and what they're doing with weed, they're actually doing it for the people. And also their tax rates are way, way, way lower. But I do think 
another interesting thought I had was when you were saying about the schizophrenia being brought on by marijuana use. So like, for example, someone in my family with a mental health disorder, their mental health disorder was triggered by the use of cocaine. And so I think in a way, people with pre-existing mental health conditions need to be wary about any and every drug they try. Like, I think you, like, even myself, like, not the topic, but I didn't do shrooms for so many years because I was so depressed. And then I finally got to a place where I was mentally okay. And I was like, now I'll try it because I don't need to draw myself deeper into something I'm already feeling bad about. And it's, it's that kind of thing where like, you shouldn't be applying weed to yourself to make yourself feel better. It's not that it's not going to do it. It's not going to pick you up and lift you out of the bad place. And that's how they're marketing it to people. They're like, Oh yeah, smoke some weed. And then you won't care that you're being evicted in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. And so it's just, (laughs) it's crazy the way they treat it. Um, I just, I do think that people with mental illness like need to be very well aware and educated, but not everyone takes the time necessarily to go into that education. Like for example, when I got put on antidepressants, I did like a really in-depth research. And I mean, maybe this is just because like drugs are fun, but like I did a really in-depth research of what drugs would interfere negatively with that medication so that I would just like know never to take them. And like, I haven't, I avoid those drugs, but there's some that I read about and that they were like, you can have an okay, like mushrooms, you can have an okay experience on this and still be on antidepressants. And so I just think it's, it's more individualistic than we're being told it is like, this needs to be, it's almost like spiritual healing is what weed is. And you need to understand that that's not for everyone. Your dose isn't for everyone. I have friends who try to keep up with the way I smoke and then I have to like drive them home or put on a TV show and get them a snack. And so like, I won't smoke with them. Cause I'm like, I'm not playing parent cause you can't handle your weed. <laughs> I, I, well, first of all, you're a very good friend. I think, you know, not, yeah. not everybody would give them a ride and give them a snack. They'd be like, get out of here. Lightweight. <laughs> like you yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah, like Jordan, for instance, Jordan is self-identifying. <laughs> as that. <laughs> uh, but a, another aspect that I'm interested in that is much less personal and much more systemic is about like now the role of government and the role of the free market in the way that we are now experiencing cannabis as a country. Right. Like forever and ever, people who wanted to legalize were like, listen, man, it's good because the government can tax it and it's going to like generate all this revenue and, you know, like a lot of the thing and and it's going to create a new industry. It can be profitable and you won't have to deal with like people, you know, like the black market and smuggling and all the kind of like danger and crime that comes with all of that um, without considering, of course, like once you do that, you invite the government in and you invite free market in and the government and the free market, they got problems, guys. <laughs> they both have their own problems. No matter where you are in the political spectrum, I think you could agree that there are problems with the government and or with the free market. Um, so I'm I'm interested. I, I kind of want to put this to you, Jordan, because I know that you're a person who's always thinking about things through like a kind of systemic and political lens. But like what in, in your experience have been some of kind of the negative effects of inviting the government and the free market into what has now become like a huge cannabis industry? 
Um, I think the first issue is just the blatant hypocrisy of it all, right? Like, you know, you have, because for the most part, there are states that are at least trying to correct this, but like you legalize it, everyone goes, hooray! And then there's like thousands of young people of color in jail that are like, I sold a Nick bag, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You yeah. know? And so like that's like the first major issue is that like beyond just like, you know, ending prohibition is like reparations for the thousands and probably millions of lives that you absolutely destroyed for silly reasons. Like if we really got into it because hemp as a industrial product may or may not have been treading on paper and cotton, which were massive industries in the United States, you know, like if that's the reason we destroyed millions of lives, then we have to have a real discussion about how we're going to repair that damage. Um, the other problem with the government. <laughs> <laughs> I love this part. This yes. is my favorite part of the show. Uh, Break it down. Break it down for us. Monologue time. You Do know, it slow. <laughs> it's like, you know, there, <laughs> the reason legalization is taking so long is because the government and the free markets, I do quotation free market, they have to figure out how to make the market not so free and have it cornered before it actually is open. You know what I mean? Um, how can we set ourselves up in all these positions? For instance, the state of Florida goes, okay, we're going to have medical marijuana, right? Okay, so now we're going to have to grow medical marijuana. Oh, by the way, there's only going to be seven licenses to grow in this state. And oh, by the way, the only way you're going to get those licenses is if you go golfing with state senators and take them out to dinner and wine and dine them and yada, yada, yada. How do I know? I might have a close connection to someone who tried to get one of those licenses and was upset at the end of the process because they were like, damn, I just just didn't spend enough on steak and uh, Merlot. Um, so there's that issue because the government comes in and they set up these ridiculous arbitrary barriers to getting a medicine. And, and you know, I, I locally tried to get on a, 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 a countywide be uh, with the state legalizing, legalizing uh, cannabis, a, a countywide some type of bill to allow people to grow their own plants. Because, you know, one of the amazing things about cannabis is you really can, it's called weed because you can just throw it in the ground and it grows for the most part. You know, if you really want to get into it and make the buds real big and you can do all the stuff in the, in the soil to do that. But, you know, are they going to allow people to grow a crop in, in their own, on their own property that they're about to make billions of dollars off of? No, we're going to regulate that. You can only have four plants. You can only have two plants. You can only, you know, um, and yeah, and then the quality of the products and kind of like, you know, like, like Haley talked about, like, what are the intentions of, of a company to make money? Does it matter if we make a, a ball of concentrated THC resin that is 99.99% basically crack cocaine uh, of marijuana? Does, is, is that necessary? Who knows? Let's do it because it's going to make us a lot of money. Um, and what are the consequences of people who smoke dabs all the time, like 80 to 90% THC, like a, a hyper concentrated psychedelic at all times like what are the consequences on, on on your brain chemistry then well let's not ask questions let's just make the money um beyond that there is some benefits to the government getting involved like i said earlier federal grants to study um just opening up federal money to people to get loans even to open up businesses um i think the government in this in this regard as far as like even a bigger conversation on making a more equitable society in america has to use cannabis as an opportunity to maybe do that uh communities poor communities that have been ravaged because people tried to sell it to make a little bit of money because the job economy and everything else got so fucked up and the way that you manage tax money was so fucked up that instead of you know 
allowing them to sell a little plant on the side so that they could sustain their family. We got to throw them in prison and totally ruin their futures and outcomes. And, you know, totally down the line, generations onward create trauma that embeds into their genetics to the point that, you know, we have cornered off sections of every city where that's where that happens, you know? Um, yeah. The, the government has to use an opportunity. Will they, will the free market? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's the problem with the free market and the government getting involved in cannabis is that you can't trust the motherfuckers because they've been wrong up to this point. And now just to go, Hey, Hey, now we're cool. Let's yeah. Let, but Hey, let us make the money for it. Right. Is that cool? You know, it's just yeah, I mean, in some ways it is like a dead end conversation because it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like when it was illegal, we were at the mercy of these systems that destroyed lives and made it a, a criminal issue. Uh, and also just at the mercy, honestly, of criminal behavior because it was a black market enterprise. Anytime you have a black market enterprise, there's a lot of room for shady dealings. I My introduction to the cannabis industry when I did work in the cannabis industry many years ago was in California, kind of in the wild west days, you know, um, when it was still, it was not fully decriminalized, but it was, you know, we, we passed a law that it could be used medically. Right. Which really just meant like anybody could just go to a quote unquote doctor and just get like a medical marijuana card. And there were like quote unquote doctors who sprung up everywhere. They were just like, all right, just pay us $50 and we'll just like give you a card. And then that meant that you, the way that the law was structured in California at the time, you then could grow 50 plants. That's basically what it, what it gave you the right to do, which was a good thing. But what it meant was, was like all the people who were involved in this enterprise when it was a criminal enterprise would just hire people and like pay for them to go get the card. And then they would grow their 50 plants for them. So all the same kind of like grow ops that existed. And a lot of these really were criminal enterprise. Like there actually was like organized crime, like with guns and all the things you get with illegal uh, drug trades that just like stepped in as soon as it became medical and just like got people to come work for them that would have been working for them anyway. My experience wasn't that bad. I just had, I like, I worked for a hippie instead of a gangster, but he was kind of a gangster hippie. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he, he had guns because he knew that he was working in an industry where like, we're going to get robbed. You know what I mean? Like, and we did get robbed and we have to like exact revenge against people who rob us. And, you know, so like that criminal part of it is bad, but it really is damned if you do damned, if you don't, because once you legalize it, you are legal at the mercy of the government. And then you are also, you know, providing a product at the mercy of capitalism and like kind of that's, that's really a, a setup for failure in a lot of ways. And I, I, sometimes I get nervous when we talk about something that sounds really good like what you, you were saying jordan like oh let's isolate the chemical that helps people with anxiety right that's great you know but it also makes me think like that sounds like something that's just going to be cornered by pfizer right away you know what i mean and then it really will just be something where we are at the mercy of the pharmaceutical industry once again you know the the health system in this country once again uh and i don't mean to like say this as a downer where it's like all right we're all screwed but it, it is these Questions I feel are not really being asked very actively because we are all so excited. Like, all right, finally, you won't get locked up for like having weed in your car, which really was a big part of being a weed smoker forever, which you're just like, your paranoia was justified because you definitely would go to jail if you got pulled over and had weed in your car, <laughs> you know? And I don't even know what it feels like to be a person. You know, it's like, I see there's like kids walking around in, in a store in, in New York where I live and they just like hit their vape real quick. And I'm just like, do you know how lucky you are to be able to just 
just like hit your vape, not have to like drive somewhere 20 miles away. <laughs> you know what I mean? To like smoke and then look over your shoulder the whole time. Are they lucky though? Or are they unlucky? Cause they're missing out on the whole experience and aesthetic of it. Like, you know, like as I get old, like the Thanksgiving just happened, right? As I get older, like part of the whole cousin tradition of like going and smoking before Thanksgiving was like getting away with it, like getting yeah. away with it in your head, you know? And like the, the rush, like once you got to dinner and like everyone was saying they're thankful, all the ants are drunk and now they're crying and they're not even paying attention to the kids table. Now I can be high and eat in peace and I'm all, and that high as well on top of it. You know, these kids are just like, yeah, you said sitting in class, hitting little yeah. babes. Yeah. They're not trying to spray Lysol all over themselves. No, and like, it's, it's too easy. It's too yeah. easy. If we've learned anything here, we we the new slogan should be illegalize it. <laughs> so that we can all be paranoid all the time and be at the mercy of a criminal enterprise. No. I mean, I obviously there are many, many good things happening already, even within the free market, like all of this kind of education about what works and what doesn't, and the destigmatization, where there are like a lot of people who would not use cannabis many years ago because they were like, dude, it's illegal and it's bad to break the law. Now finally are like this. Is something that can benefit me and the stigmas. I mean, that's true. There was a lot of like, there were there was a lot of moralizing associated with it. Like we used to really worry. Like a president, when Bill Clinton said, like, yes, I did, I did smoke weed. People were like, wow, that was an insane revelation because there was such a cultural, negative cultural association with people who smoked weed, and that like for the most part is gone now. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of nerdy to smoke weed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not nerdy, but it's just like mainstream. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's become square in a lot of ways. And I think that's a good thing because we don't have to worry about like a lot of the attached stigmas. Um, Dre, I wanted to come to you before we wrap it up just to see, uh, I mean, we've covered a lot, you know, I think that the individual aspect is very important. The, the mental health part is important. I'm glad we were able to have like a realistic conversation about this without like concluding like weed is bad kids. You're going to fry your brain and get brainy <laughs> if you get high. Right. Cause that's not the takeaway. But um, yeah, was there, was there other stuff you wanted to cover before we uh, walk out of here, Dre? I know you had a lot, uh, a lot for the conversation. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess I would, uh, where to start. Um, you guys have touched on so many, you guys have touched on so many good things. So you yeah. definitely end up swimming in good thoughts. Yeah. But, um, I think from that, uh, one aspect is the artist aspect from performers, singers, rappers, um, writers like myself, directors, it doesn't matter what the medium is. I think there's a stigma where a lot of artists would use it, um, smoking weed to, to, um, take you further in your craft and there's a lot of truth to that but more so with um, the performer aspect i think that this is actually i just watched a really good movie that displayed this perfectly which was the 40 year old version which is about a a 40 year old woman in new york and um so there's a scene where she's about to go on stage and like drop her first time dropping rhymes uh, over a beat in front of a large audience and She's really nervous and the the smart guy, the producer of hers, takes her into a cypher in the back room and she kills it. She's like with four or five other dudes. They all take turns and have a great session. She comes out feeling confident. And right when she's about to go on stage, the uh, one guy offers her a joint and she's like, no, no, I'm cool. Thanks. He's all, I got that good Cali shit. And she's like, oh, really? Okay. So she takes one hit. And she's like, oh, you do got the good stuff. And she takes a nice fat hit, goes on stage, and it just becomes the most embarrassing, humiliating experience <laughs> of her. <laughs> her first time performing just totally torches her chance to, to take a, be a female rapper in New York at 40 years old. And 
it's like for artists, you got to find that, uh, that good medium of using it to your benefit. If it, and sometimes that might just be at home. Uh, for me personally, I noticed, oh yeah, use it at home to, to fuel the ideas. But when you get on stage, you, the, you already got that high, the adrenaline of going on stage with the microphone in your hand and, or an instrument or whatever it is. There's already a rush involved with that. Maybe not step in the way of that and step on your own toes before you get your momentum going. Um, would be a, a wise thing to, to to you know to ponder and kind of back to what Haley said before. It's very individualistic, you know. Do not do not you know listen to your friend who just smoke through it all the way. That's the craziest advice I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just keep on keep on keep on trucking. He said. That's what he said. <laughs> oh man, uh, so definitely don't do that. So uh, figure yeah. out your your pocket in the game and yeah. roll with that. Um, I, I really like this idea of art and artistry. Uh, there is a long tradition of, you know, cannabis and art and artistry. And I have to put that question to you, Jordan, before we get out of here, because you're an MC who likes to smoke and ingest cannabis. Uh, what are your thoughts on the relationship between the creative process and how cannabis can help you or cannabis can hurt you? What's what's your experience? Um, so when I was when I was younger, I was like, I I can't write a song unless I'm high. Like I can't like, you know, I go to be high. That's when the words come to me out of the air. I go up in the air and I see the words and then I grab them and I bring them to the page. Like, you know, that's, that was my whole spiel. (laughs) Um, as I got older, I heard a thing from George Carlin and George Carlin talked about marijuana. Um, and he said like when he was younger, he'd smoke all the time, but then he got to the point where like, you know, uh, what Dre said, like he would smoke, get the ideas. And then like, you know, when he needed it, he would use it and then put it to the side and then rely on his faculties to otherwise, you know, create his craft. Um, I do think that the marijuana is a mind opening substance in regards to, to art, especially music. I think you can hear different things. It makes you more sensitive to different things. So as an artist, I think part of becoming an artist is studying the craft. And I think smoking weed and listening to rap records is a massive part of becoming an MC. I would say it's probably <laughs> one of the top three things you have to do in order to be a rapper is smoke weed and listen to rap music. And also aside, maybe it helps you become the vice president too. I don't know. Speculation, you know, yeah. Kamala did say she smoked and listened to, to a Tupac record that didn't come out four years until four years later. So but I don't know. <laughs> maybe. But anyways, anyways, <laughs> jokes aside sorry i had to get a little jab in. jokes aside jokes aside jokes aside uh yeah man there's some situations where you know for instance if i'm gonna go if i'm gonna go in a cypher and i'm a freestyle i'm much better from high i'm a lot like more relaxed not as much up in my head a lot more free-flowing um Sometimes you get high, you get on stage and you just, and you got a set going on and you just forget where you were going, man. Like you just don't remember. <laughs> you had a whole like thought process of how you're going to flow in between like different songs on the set and like work with the, work with the audience and you just lose it a second, get on stage. Cause like that adrenaline hits and you just get so caught up in that adrenaline with the added effect of the cannabis. It, it kind of messes you up. Um, but it would be crazy of me to say as a MC that like, you know, don't smoke weed and rap. Like, what is- <laughs> I think your advice is very good about like every aspiring rapper needs to get high and, and put on some headphones. You know, I can Listen. remember very well, you know, <laughs> listening to uh, outcast AT aliens, yes. very high. 15 years old and saying there's a trumpet in this song. <laughs> no, I, exactly. never, I never heard that trumpet. These guys are geniuses. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember. I remember smoking weed and listening to like uh, Aquemini. And, yeah. and, and just being like blown away by Andre's like second verse. Yeah. And just being like, oh, and then just looking at my buddy and be like, that's what rapping is, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there is, you know, uh, the um, straight out of Compton, when straight out of Compton came out, uh, there is a scene very early on. And Dre is another musical genius, right? Un- undoubtedly a musical genius. And one of the very first scenes of that movie is him putting on his parents' records. There's a lot of, there's like a lot of soul stuff in there. There's a lot of, you know, P-Funk in there, putting on the headphones and getting high. I said, man, this is a very honest introduction to the creative process and like the birth of a genius. Because he was, when he was doing that, you know, he was like 16, 17 years old. He was late for the school bus because he was sitting down listening to P-Funk with headphones on when he was high. So solid advice. We'll, we'll put that in the editorial note. Kids, if you ever want to be a rapper, you got to get high. Not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I I have actually I find that really interesting because like I do like live performances and then I also do like film stuff and with like live performances like I do stand up so I have learned to get high when I do it but I can't get high like right before I do it it needs to be like it's almost like eating and swimming like I can do it like 20 minutes before but if I get right <laughs> in the pool I'm gonna get a stomach ache so it's um it's just really interesting and like it the creative process in weed I find that I can't start anything on weed and I can't like sit down and force myself to do something. Like if I'm in the middle of a creative project and I know what I'm writing and what I'm doing, then I can be high. But like, if I'm not, then I just won't accomplish anything. It's such, it's, it's a really fine line for me. Like yeah. on stage, cool. Like on camera, I can't be high. I think it extends to all aspects of the creative process. When I was uh, a political reporter in like uh, the early 2000s in the Bush era, I would sit down like around midnight and turn on some like terrible 24 hour like news channel. Right. Like at the time it was headline news. That channel doesn't really exist anymore, but it was just garbage. And I'll get high and I would realize I was like, oh, my God, everything is connected. Right. Like here's why Bush is exactly like um, Darth Vader, you know, and then I would like to write down a bunch of notes. I just, I would write like Bush equals Darth Vader, you know? Right. And then I would just like put that notebook away. And then in the morning I would have a deadline because I was supposed to write a commentary about like George W. Bush and I would pull it out and be like, Bush is like Vader. But in my sober mind, I was able to like unpack that and turn it into like some palatable prose. So uh, there's room for it in the creative process. Uh, this was great. I want to thank all you guys for being able to have this conversation. I think, you know, Dre mentioned earlier, like the trouble with binaries, you know, and like even if it's team Indica or, you know, and like team Sativa, everything's a binary. Now, if you love cannabis, that means everything about cannabis has to be good. If you, if you hate <laughs> cannabis, that means everything has to be bad. Like this show is all about nuance. I'm really glad we were able to have a conversation about like where we are and what we can do to understand cannabis better. Uh, I couldn't, think of a better group of people to do it with so big thanks to all three of you guys for being here this was this was exactly what i was hoping for uh i also yeah of course thanks for being here and Haley, welcome your first time this was lovely yeah we would love to have you back you're a natural fit so please look out for an email because we're going to be inviting you back also because i am curious about learning more about the cannabis industry itself that might be its own kind of separate conversation and we didn't get to talk about shrooms today because as you said it was off topic (sighs) but we could just have another conversation about shrooms very soon because there is a lot of new data coming out about treating Mm -hmm. depression with psilocybin mushrooms and i'm here for 
that conversation as well. Uh, so yes, and I also want to thank, as always, our producer, Eming, for keeping us on task, keeping us sounding good, keeping us focused, coordinating, organizing, being the patient. The least I have to do, the happier I am. So good job. Yes, good. <laughs> thank well, you. Well, wait, wait, wait. Good, yeah. We didn't bring up Drake yet. Hey, there's a Drake reference. (laughs) So close. You know what? Also, I'll say one thing. That guy's such a square. I bet you Drake never even been high in his damn life. Agreed. I bet bet he smokes mid. Yeah. yeah. Drake smokes mid. That'll be the headline for the podcast, guys. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) I will take the public stance on Drake. I'm ready. Great. And then we'll invite you back for that show as well. All right. Thanks to all you guys. This was a wonderful show. Thanks as always to our listeners. Until next time, Quest on, everybody. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.